0: Welcome to Ukraine World and its podcast Explaining Ukraine. Today I'm going to talk with you about the causes of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the three major causes as I see it. The first is the question of identity. The second is a question of political values and uh, politics in more general terms. And the third is the question of ethics, the ethical reasons. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and chief editor of Ukraine World. And these are my short uh, explaining videos, trying to give to you a more context about the Russian invasion of Ukraine, about the Ukrainian culture, about the Ukrainian history and present, and I hope future. Now, um, I'm talking with you about these three causes. And the first one for me uh, is, a, is the identity cause, the identity issue. Why I'm stressing this? Because. Uh, in all the Russian discourse, it is clear, we see it very clearly, and I would, I would say even psychoanalytically clearly, that for Russians it's a very painful to see that Ukrainians identify themselves as Ukrainians, that Ukrainians are, are not ad- identifying themselves as Russians. And for Russian political myth, Ukraine, and in particular Kyiv, plays a major role so for them and they are trying to prove to themselves and to Ukrainians that actually Ukraine has never existed that Kiev, as the capital of, of today's Ukraine has been a Russian city and and it's a kind of a birthplace of Russia as it is so it's it's a kind of a traumatic for them to see um, the birthplace the the place that they consider as a birthplace of of Russia uh, be in uh, kind of another country, another identity, but the problem is that, of course, for them, the question of this Russian identity goes way, way to the deep medieval uh, times and to Middle Ages, uh, to the where to to the time where there was a powerful state, medieval state called Rus, not Russia, but Rus. Rus uh, has most probably the Scandinavian. Origin Finnish or Swedish origin. It's a very complicated medieval history, and Kiev was the center of this state. And uh, if if we talk about today's Russia, today's Russia um, has existed probably since Peter the so since the Russian Empire. That's that's the moment when the very concept of the Russian Empire has been born. Before that, you you could certainly not talk about Russia in the modern sense of the term, but. F- the Russian political ideology tries to really to extend this identity back to medieval times and to say, okay, where Kiev was, there was Russia, and it was not Ukraine, it was us. Of course, it is wrong, because it, it would be the same as to say, for example, that Carolingian Empire uh, of uh, um, Carolus Magnus was actually a German state, or a France state, French state, or Italian state, or whatever else and russian russians are playing on this but this is um this attempt to work with the past rather with the present and with the future to say that okay this is uh, this is a nation which is not existing we will conquer this nation back we will uh, exterminate the the very identity which says it is not russia it is all very painful um painful play with its own identity with its own past and the problem for russians uh, as i see it is that they find it deeply problematic to understand what russia is they find it deeply problematic to understand that russia can be can exist without kiev for example and they try to uh, to capture kiev to to bring ukraine back uh, in order to prove to themselves that russia still exists that russia in in, in their minds uh, and as they imagine it still exists so their propaganda is saying that Ukrainians are not existing, that it's an artificial nation. While the problem is that their own perception of themselves is very problematic. And and they, 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 they themselves cannot really imagine Russia without uh, without Kiev and without Ukraine. And this makes, of course, the, the relations very very complicated because on the one hand, you see that Russia tries to recolonize Ukraine and to bring back the old imperial politics and very cruel imperial politics with killing a lot of people, with, uh, uh, with attacking civilians and so on and so forth. But on the other hand, we see that, uh, well, the Ukraine for them, as if, as if they consider Ukraine for themselves as, as, as their own origin and they try to bring this or, or own origin back. And, of course, this creates the whole uh, situation around Russian colonialism much more complicated much more paradoxical. The second reason, the second cause is a political cause. And here I mean primarily political values. So Russian history, uh, if we take Peter I, if we, if we take even, uh, even earlier times Ivan the Terrible, if we take Peter I, if, if we take Catherine II, If we take Russian Empire of the 19th century, very repressive with the the huge repressive machine and Ukrainians uh, and other nations know that very well. If we take Soviet Union, we understand that the democratic or republican model didn't work. Russians actually never really tried it. So uh, they tried it probably in the medieval times, uh, not Russians, uh, but Novgorodians, for example, or uh Novgorod as a city-state, it didn't work. And uh, since the Mongol invasion uh, and the development of the uh, of the Moscovy um, we see this these very authoritarian trends we see the idea that you can build politics only on the on the hierarchy hierarchy and violence and we see that Peter I did this, this thing. We see that Catherine II were, were, were basing her politics upon violence and, and conquer, conquest and everything. We see, of course, the Soviet Union doing that. We see some exceptions like the Decembrist revolt, uh, revolt in early 19th century, some other other rebellions. But it's paradoxical that, for example, even if we take Russian Bolshevism, Russian communism, which is supposed to be a um, egalitarian ideology, which you know destroys hierarchy, which destroys uh, inequality, whatever. Even if we go to the minds and um, and imagination of the. Um, you know, Russian communist ideologists of the late nineteenth century, from which the Russian Bolsheviks were born, you will see very clear authoritarian trend. You will see very clear idea that okay, we are making the revolution in order to put the the, the good tsar, the the good the good sovereign, instead of the bad one, and we will keep the existing hierarchy. We'll kind of uh um, change it a little bit, uh, but the hierarchy is very important. And and here comes. This concept of the di- dictatorship uh, of proletariat, which was very important for Lenin and for Bolsheviks and then for Stalin, etc. So basically, Russian communism was not at all communism. It was a very strict hierarchy based on violence, uh, which used the communist ideology as a kind of a shirm, as a kind of a mask. And here comes the Ukrainian uh, political history, which. Uh, which has a clear democratic or republican element in it. Since the medieval times, since Kyiv and uh, Rus around Kyiv, which was very much fragmented as you know, any medieval feudal state at the time, which was kind of a pluralistic and uh, in which power was dispersed between different city-states. Um, you can, of course, talk about the Ukrainian Cossacks uh, of early modern age who had a very powerful republic on a democratic depends how you call it political culture anti-tyrannical political culture the idea that uh, yes we will probably have a, a sovereign to whom we would be accountable to a king sometimes even an emperor Rudolf II uh, most pro- most most often the king but we will not obey anyone else so this a little bit anarchic idea um, was among Ukrainian Cossacks, Zaporozhian Cossacks. And of course, the 19th century, if you look at political philosophy of Ukraine in the 19th century, it's all based upon democratic ideas, primarily people like Drahomanov or even people like Kostomarov and many others. And therefore, for example, Ukrainian independence in early 20th century, which was practically not uh not noticed by anybody outside of Ukraine and therefore it failed uh it was it was very much in these ideas it was also an attempt to build a socialist republic but socialist not in in, in the sense of the russian marxist but in the sense of a cooperative movements working together very decentralized idea etc maybe this is why it failed because it it lacked the idea of power so it it has another deficiency lack of hierarchy so russian idea political idea was based uh, upon the idea that hierarchy means everything and ukrainian rather than we are very mistrustful to hierarchy we we were rather basing ourselves on on um, uh, decentralization, on on communities, etc., grassroots movements, and here you can see a clear pattern here in this war. So Russian machine is a very centralized, a very hierarchy, hierarchical, and Ukraine, which defends itself, of course, with with it with its own hierarchy, state hierarchy, because otherwise it would not be possible uh, to defend itself. But also this element democratic, even a little bit anarchic element, decentralized element, is also played a very, very big role. And why I'm stressing this? Because Russia is really afraid that this spirit of democracy, the spirit of uh, republic or anti-tyrannical politics, politics that is based upon the initiatives of the people and plurality of power rather than uh, the strong hierarchy and, and, and violence, Russians are very afraid that it will penetrate Russia. Because Maybe they are right in this because if if this idea penetrates Russia, Russia's empire is gone. Russia cannot can no longer exist as a, as an empire in its current form, and therefore they are very afraid of it. They are very afraid of these values of freedom, republic, res publica, meaning the the idea that politics is a matter of all and not just a matter of decisions of the tsar they are very afraid that these values will come to, to the Russian state and will destroy it. And uh, of course there is another political reason is that Russia really perceives that uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union was evil, was, was the act of evil, and, and therefore Putin's put it very clearly, and that it was the defeat of Russia, Russian empire um, against the, the, the West, and that the West has won this war this Cold War, and this defeat in the Cold War uh, needs to be revenged. And therefore, Russia is actually accumulating its resources since the start of the Putin's reign to achieve revenge against um, against the so-called West. And this is also very important. Uh, this element is very important for us to understand. Uh, we have, uh, I'm sorry, we have um, uh, the um, Air air alert and and uh, I started this video during the air alert so we we have this now uh, the cancelled air alert we have air, air alerts uh, every day so I'm I'm writing this video from from Kiev from Kiev suburb so it's a it's a very typical story for us now. Um, what is important, it's important that this idea that you need to take revenge for this <clears throat> for this defeat in the Cold War is very present in Russia. We will probably uh, talk about this in one of our next next episodes. Uh, contrary to this, for example, for Ukrainians, the collapse of the Soviet Union is mostly perceived uh, as, a, as a good thing, as the a, as a things that liberated the potential, the national, the cultural, the economic potential of Ukraine. So this difference in political values is very important. Russia, there is no alternative Russian project, political project so far. There is no tradition of Russian liberalism. There is no tradition, there is no big, big tradition of Russian liberalism, Russian democratic thinking. Unfortunately, we have rather, in the 19th century, we have the, the dispute between groups of intellectuals who were rather reflecting upon which model of authoritarian rule whether the the model oriented to, to the west to the secularism or the model oriented to the to the roots of orthodox culture uh, will will uh, are better for russia but we don't really have a a, a russian liberal a liberal tradi- tradition tradition to ukraine and therefore ukrainians have a, a certain pantheons pantheon of authors to be to base their action upon. They have Taras Shevchenko, they have Mihail they have Lesya Ukrainka, they have uh, this generation of, uh, of the modernists, they have the generation of the 1920s, etc. While Russians do not have it. And this is a problem because if we think about uh, whether Russia can be democratic in the future, Russians sh- should build this alternative idea of Russia, this alternative idea, not imperial Russia. Not centralized Russia, democratic Russia, smaller territory, etc. And the third uh, factor, the third cause of this war, I'm calling it ethical. Because I think that this is a very important element. Uh, and for me, the key thing, the core of it, is the question of violence. Because for me uh, personally, well, of course there are wars wars are happening but the question is why why Russians are so cruel why why Russians are cruel in a situation when you 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 can avoid cruelty why for example they really shoot at the evacuation evacuation cars knowing that there are children inside knowing that there are women inside why they put uh, Hundreds of people into the basement of a of a school and keep uh, keep them for one month, three uh, hundred something people, like it happened in Yahid Nishan Oblast, while they drop aviation bombs which kill everybody in the building on the residential buildings, and all these questions uh, are of course very very tough questions, very important questions, and for me. You cannot really respond to them with the questions of politics or geopolitics, or even identity. You can only respond to them with a, with a moral question, with the question, what's what what is happening in the Russian society? What is happening uh, with Russians' ordinary lives? Why they they project this violence outside? And my response is that violence is so present in the Russian society on every every level, on domestic level on on um, you know bureaucratic level so you are a worker you're a family member whatever else and you're subject to this violence physical violence moral violence etc this degrading treatment of you this idea that you're only in the hierarchy and you are you can be either a master or you can be a victim and uh, i do think that many russians who come here to ukraine they actually Uh, are subject to this violence inside their country. And therefore, they try to show to themselves and to others that they're not only victims of violence, but the only option to show that is to commit violence themselves. If I'm suffering from violence and uh, degrading treatment and I lost my dignity, uh, my only response, and I I don't know anything else, my only response would be to uh, commit violence on others, so that I tell myself that I'm not weak and I'm, I'm able to commit violence. And this, uh, this valorization of violence, is, is uh, this idea that violence is the argument of last resort, I do think that this is something that that so much is present in the Russian society on the everyday level, that it, of course, it goes to the practice of the soldiers. Because it's not Putin who who is doing that. It's is the decisions of these particular soldiers, of these uh, rank and file uh, Russian soldiers, who commit these crimes, and they committed to show that they are not just a small person, they're not just a they're not just an entity which is not important to anybody. They are important. They have power, and they th- therefore they power for them equals violence. So they can commit this violence uh, to prove that they have power. And why they're trying to prove that they have power? Because they were told um, in in multiple situations in, in their lives that they have not ve- any value at all, that they have no, no no value at all. And I do think that we need to reflect upon it. And frankly speaking, what bothers me, what worries me very much, is that this virus, the idea of of violence as a as an argument of the last resort, as as the only argument, is spreading in today's world? So violence is getting more and more popular, and cruelty is getting more and more po- popular. Cruelty of speech, cruelty of jokes, cruelty of political discourse, cruelty of uh, cynicism, and uh, here, I mean, we should be very, very worried and very, very attentive to this, because if it spreads uh, up to the moment then we cannot stop it, then these wars will of course spread. Uh, So our experience, the experience of Ukrainians really should be looked at very, very attentively. And this is why it is so important to support Ukraine in this war, because it's not only the war for Ukrainian identity, Ukrainian sovereignty, Ukrainian democracy, It's also the war for values. And values here, I don't only mean these abstract wars like democratic values or whatever. I mean that we should stop this virus of violence, which is now coming from from Russia for for various reasons, but which is also present around the world, which says that violence is the only means for you to, to keep power or the only means to to have your wishes come true or whatever else. And here we have the opposite, absolutely opposite value systems. One value system, which says that violence is the king. The other value system, which says, no, we can actually solve problems together without violence, just with conversation, with mutual help, with mutual care, which with understanding of each other experience. And uh, I'm very worried that this violence-based value system is winning gradually all over the world. And if Ukraine fails in this war, it will certainly win all over the world. All other dictators, all other tyrants around the world will say, okay, if Putin is okay with his violence, then they will do this, and then we will do the same. We will commit the similar violence. This worries me a lot. I will finish on that and thank you for watching and um, uh, thank you for uh, thank you for your comments, what you think about it. My name is Volodymyr a Ukrainian philosopher and chief editor of Ukraine World. We're trying to make Ukraine better understood around the world. And uh, thank you for watching us. You can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. You can find this link in the description of this episode. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.